Friday the 13th of October 2017. All is calm in the house this morning. We like Fridays because it generally means that after lunch we go for sport at a nearby recreation ground. Today we are planning to do something quite different. David has a stand in the marketplace this afternoon representing the Sue Ryder Hospice. It is important that the public know about the hospice and all the different work that they do. Sue Ryder is funded with 20% NHS funding and the rest must come from fundraising and generous giving. It is important in order for this to happen to educate the public as many of them will require this service which is entirely free in one form or another for the end of life care. David will be trying to create an interest in people to become volunteer helpers or people with special skills that they would give to the running of the hospice. This afternoon the children and I will be going into the town to help support him in this endeavour. The morning took its usual course and the children worked well, which is unusual for a Friday, as they tend to get the Friday wind-down feeling ready for the weekend. We spent some time on our French this morning, which Rosie absolutely loves. This morning was all about food, which is another Rosie's passions. Johnny is still struggling a bit with his reading, but generally has made a vast improvement since coming out of school. This makes French more difficult for him, as he has to grapple with the English before he can translate it. There has been a lot of on the news these past few days on the impact that the medicating of animals destined for human consumption has on the prevalence of antibiotic-resistant bacteria. David was at a lecture just the other day and was coincidentally asking the same question of the lecturer who was giving the talk. She said that the impact was enormous. We are in fact receiving antibiotics in practically everything that we eat and drink. I wondered how this was affecting you in the future. What will the health of the world be like in 150 years from today? The lecturer told David that we are facing a world where we'll have to deal with infection and disease in the same way as our great-grandparents did before the discovery of penicillin. These were the days when many more people died from diseases than recovered and the mortality rate was high. Certainly it was not uncommon for many households to lose little children before the age of three. Diseases such as meningitis, diphtheria and tuberculosis were endemic. The lecturer told David that not only was it in the flesh of the animals but in their manure which was used to fertilise the land. Therefore, it was in the grass. The grass was then eaten by the cows and other animals. It was therefore in the milk. Fields drained off into the rivers and that way it got into the water that we drink. Although water goes through a process of purification, this process is very Victorian and doesn't always remove chemicals like radioisotopes and antibiotics and hormones. It mostly is an organic process which deals with purifying the water of bacteria on top of all the accidental antibiotics. Why do we give the animal antibiotics in the first place? It is mainly so that we can buy cheap food, and to do this we have to keep many more animals in smaller and potentially unhealthy and unnatural conditions. They would be prone to every sort of disease unless they were pumped full of antibiotics to keep them alive. We are facing a grave future with many people at risk, as they were in the Victorian times. Mostly the old, infirm and very young. 
I have rescued many hens from environments such as I describe, and even with all the love in the world and good food and proper living conditions, they never live more than three years and are usually spent when they arrive. We never use any eggs that they lay for a few weeks until the antibiotics are out of their system or use their manure for the garden. It is apparently I found in vegetables grown from soil which has been dressed with manure from stables where they use antibiotics. David and I, in future, will only use our own chicken manure, which we compost with kitchen waste, always uncooked, and weeds, etc. Chicken manure is excellent, but must be well composted and seasoned, as it is very strong and could burn the plants. I think that the answer for mankind is to concentrate on building up our immune system. Works far better than antibiotics, and once you have built up immune cells against invading bacteria, it lasts for a long time. This requires eating the proper foods, recognising the enemy that sugar is, demanding that sugar, which is now in pretty much everything, is not used so much by the food manufacturing industry. Everything in balance, getting the right amount of sleep, which is now seen to be about seven hours per night, not more or less. And last but not least, exercise. Exercise preferably taken by the whole family together, in the fresh air, as a ramble, through the countryside or a bicycle ride to our lovely English lanes. Not exercise taken in some airless, warm and stuffy gym, where a sweaty armpit is usually only just a foot away from your nose. This particular atmosphere is also perfect for growing and incubating all sorts of bacteria. Having paid an often extortionate fee for the dubious pleasure of a membership, you also run the risk of bringing something away with you. So much better to pack up a healthy picnic lunch and go off on a ramble or hike, which could start at your back door or somewhere else in the country. It can be difficult to do this, especially if you lead a busy life and are not yet able to wind down and alter the gears of your life. We found it difficult at first, until we had sorted out our priorities. We stole time, as David says, and which he put so eloquently into a poem that he once wrote for me on my birthday one year. It goes like this. We stole this year. We stole this year from within an impossible fragment of time. The empty clock face spinning its poetry of fine wines, and music and singing. In the woods as the sun climbs, in the morning, breathing beginnings. And all that is fine and pure, like a church bell ringing, and here where we both sort a sign, our faces, our ball grinning, in a soft knot of hope shine, and laugh like birds winging, our worlds entwine, somehow bringing time within time, within time. After school this morning, we had lunch. Marshall was off for the day, as his placement had to be closed down for work to be done, and Auntie Rachel arrived as I was preparing a table of salad and raw food, which we tend to have on a Friday. Raw food is particularly energising, as it is full of wonderful enzymes that mostly are destroyed in the cooking process. I try to give the children and myself a lunch like this two or three times a week. David takes a lunchbox every day filled with the following. This is David's salad box. Any of the following, usually most of all of them. Chopped romaine lettuce. This is the most nutritious lettuce. 
Watercress, full of iron or baby spinach leaves. Mumslaw, recipe in book one, summer into autumn, or grated carrot. Homegrown and home-cooked beetroot chopped into small squares. Chopped tomato, chopped cucumber. Thinly sliced bell pepper. Thinly sliced raw French beans. Sliced green olives. I might add pineapple. Half black grape, sometimes in late summer, from our own vine. Avocado coated with lemon juice to stop it oxidising and turning brown. Chopped apple coated with lemon juice, as above. A tablespoonful of walnut or cashew nut. Sometimes late in the summer, the seeds of nasturtiums, their leaves and flowers can be added. Finally, a few pumpkin, chia, sunflower and linseed or flax seeds should be scattered and a liberal quantity of lemon juice and the same of a good quality organic extra virgin oil. Sometimes on Mondays and Tuesdays I add nut roast left over from Sunday roast. Apparently, there has been some interesting research done on olive oil recently. David and I saw two programmes, both expounding the remarkable protective and healing properties of olive oil. The first one that we saw was about a trial that was done on the protective effects of the oil on people at risk of heart disease. The volunteers were required to take three tablespoons of olive oil a day in some form or other and after a certain time there are certain elements that appears in the blood which decreases the risk of a heart attack. The other programme claimed that experiments had been done on mice who had been given Alzheimer's. The mice had been given a certain quality of olive oil and the amyloid deposits that had built up in their brains had almost all disappeared after a few weeks. The programme produced brain scans of the mice before and after treatment. Unfortunately, it had to be a certain quality of olive oil that had an abundance of oil in it. One way of testing for it was apparently by holding a mouthful at the back of the throat. If it starts to feel warm and eventually makes you cough, then you've found the protective strain of olive oil, as not all olive oils have it. My daughter Leah also swears by olive oil and is convinced that the body doesn't store it in the way it does other fats. After lunch, the children and I went into the town to find David and to buy him a cup of coffee. It was a windy day and we are supposedly expecting yet another hurricane on Monday. Not a severe one, but nevertheless a hurricane. David and his colleagues had a very successful afternoon. They managed to get two or three volunteers and also a promise of radio programme devoted to cultural and philosophical perspectives on death and dying and end-of-life care. All good, as David would say. Off home for supper. This evening, amongst other things on our plate, which I won't bore you with, we're going to have polenta, which I buy in its grain form, although you can buy it already cooked and ready for use. I like to cook it with flavourings, and this is my recipe. Polenta a la rise. 750 mils of water, 120 grams of polenta. Add any of the following for flavour, yeast extract, miso, herbs, marigold bouillon, soy sauce or chopped chilies. For those who may not have used polenta before, it is a whole grain cornmeal suitable for vegan and gluten-free diets. I always buy certified organic. I would never buy non-organic, as it may have been imported from America and could well be GM-grown, which we are always very careful to avoid. Method. Bring to the boil the water. Add all of the ingredients and continue to boil. 
Simmer for 30 minutes and either spread out on a baking tray and bake or leave in the pot to cool. Cover the pot with a cloth and when cool it will solidify. Take the solid cooked polenta and slice it into generous portions. It can then be either grilled or fried. We like it either served with oven roast vegetables, cheese and fresh herbs or salad. This evening we are having it with mushrooms, tomatoes, courgettes and vegan sausages. Yum!